You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. Ed is out sick, so you get 30 minutes of me today. Yay! Uh, it's all brought to you by Cork and Carry at the Park, the official home of the podcast for fans, by fans, socks in the basement. We'll be out there all year long. Make sure you get over there in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton, your place for pregame, postgame, in-game, especially when they're on the road. Hang out with White Sox fans and watch the White Sox from the home of Sox in the basement, Cork and Carey at the park. And I think the first big event that we're going to be at this year with Cork and Carey is going to be before the season even starts at the other location in Beverly because I cannot wait for the Southside Irish Parade yet again. If you want more details about anything going on at Cork and Carey, check it out at corkandcarey.com. So yeah, Ed's off. He calls me on the phone. He's like, ugh. I, I, do I sound okay? And I was like, no, you're not doing the show. Like, he he couldn't get three words out without coughing. The man sounds like he was hit by a truck. He, he actually sounds like a zombie if a zombie was half alive and yet half dead and turning into a zombie. He's right at that stage right now. By now, we could be eating brains, for all I know. So uh, he's, he's going to take a break, and we're going to have him back by the next show. By the time the next show drops, we're going to record it here at the Nine Foot Homemade Oak Bar, but by the time it comes out for you... On Friday, I'm going to be in Bardstown, Kentucky on the Bourbon Trail with a group of friends. I, I did this last year, and, and every time I bring it up, people get excited about it. They're like, really? You're going to the Bourbon Trail? And, and, you know, here's the thing. It sounds like a good idea to begin with, right? Like, everybody keeps asking, like, where are you going? And I know we're going to Michter's. We're going to Old Forester. We're going to Rabbit Hole. I've been there before. It's awesome. Uh, we're going to Bardstown uh, Distilling. We're going to Willet. We're going to see Heavenly Hill. Uh, Lux Row, which is Evan Williams, Four Roses, Jim Beam. And I know there's other ones that are on there because it's like four distilleries minimum per day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's 16 for sure that I know I'm going to over four days. Like this sounds like a good idea. Like everybody I talk to about this is like, that sounds awesome. I love to get together with my friends and go on the bourbon trail in Kentucky. It sounds wonderful. Trust me. After two days, we're going to be waking up on day three with like that 1030 in the morning tasting because that's when we were able to get it at one of these distilleries going, I got to go drinking again. So th- this could be an absolute disaster. I'm looking forward to it. Last time I went, bumped in the socks in the basement listeners. I'm not even joking. Not at one place, at like multiple places. Uh, it was the day I was wearing the shirt, but we got stopped multiple times by people, uh, White Sox fans doing the bourbon trail. This is the time uh, of year to do it. So if you're going down there this weekend, because I remember last year we did it right around this weekend, and there were lots of Sox fans down there. Look for me. Uh, I'll be stumbling along. I was poring over the non-roster invitee list for spring training, just seeing whether or not there was anybody that was exciting to me. Like, Oscar Colas is exciting. Like, I expect him to be the right fielder. That's that's the guy. If everything goes the way it's supposed to go, Oscar Colas is playing right, He's going to play the majority of the season. He's going to hit in the bottom of your lineup. I don't expect him to be a superstar, but if he hits 270 and he hits out 20 home runs and he plays a good right field, you're happy. Okay. You're not relying on him to change the stock in your season. And with everything going on with Mike Clevenger, 
In reality, all that you added was Andrew Benintendi. So I don't know whether or not you're a better team this year than you were last year, unless, of course, everybody starts having career years, bounce back seasons, and nobody gets injured. Then all of a sudden, you're a great team. But when I look at the non-roster invitee list for spring training, these are guys that are not on the 40-man roster, but they're coming to spring training to play on the major league side because they'll have minor league spring training. And eventually, a lot of these guys, like two, three weeks in, they're going to get a look at them and they're going to go, okay, there's your taste of camp, kid. Go over there now and work out with the minor leaguers. You're not making this team. And the majority of these guys are not. But this gives everybody an opportunity to work out. You get to see what guys have. Like the outfield is interesting because we're assuming Colas. But you're going to have Yoki Cespedes, Billy Hamilton, Jake Marisnik, Adam Hazley. There, there's there's those guys and more coming to this spring training. I think at some point you're going to see Marisnik. You're going to see Hamilton. You may even see Yoki by the end of the year. That That's even possible. It, it'll be interesting because the way that Major League Baseball teams have been doing things since COVID is that they've kind of realized, like, if I have, like, a, a, a little camp where I keep guys that are ready for the majors and I can bring them up quickly, that's an advantage. And you're seeing a lot more minor league contracts for guys of the ilk that I just described. And I would imagine you're going to see all of those names at some point during the year. I, I was looking at the pitchers. It struck me, and I'm just talking guys that aren't on the 40-man, but it struck me, Sean Burke is getting an invite. And I remembered him. The moment I looked at his name, I was like, I remember James Fox from Future Sox coming on this program when he was drafted. And that was 2021, third round. And he was like, this guy pitched in college. He could accelerate quickly. That's exciting. I'm curious what he does. I, I I expect he probably pitches for like a couple of weeks, moves over to the minor league side. Another guy that might do the same thing, Matthew Thompson. That's one of those guys they drafted out of high school. 2019, drafted in the second round. He was drafted several years in front of Burke. He's still younger than Burke. They're going, he's going as well. He's going to be a non-roster invitee. So like little names are kind of poking out at me. Like I'm just looking at some of the guys are going to pop up. These are guys that when they were drafted, we were kind of excited about. We, we heard people say positive things. It's cool to see. Another prospect list came out this week. The Athletics Keith Law put out his list. A lot of people put a lot of stock in what Keith Law says about prospects. Uh, Oscar Colas did not even make his top 100 list. We've seen him on other lists. He's, he's not on his top 100 list. Colson Montgomery, though, is on his top 100 list. And that puts Montgomery on the CBS Fantasy Baseball prospect list that we talked about on this show already. He's on the MLB Pipeline top 100 list at 38 right now. And he's on Keith Law's list on The Athletic as the 25th best prospect. I want to read what Keith Law said about him. Montgomery was a risky pick in the first round in 2021. He was 19 at the draft, came from a high school in rural Indiana where he didn't face much good pitching. He's panned out so far, reaching double-A last year after a very strong performance as a 20-year-old in low-A and high-A, where he showed advanced plate discipline and bat-to-ball skills. Before fading in August, as he got tired, he was hitting 309, 420, 462. That was his slash. Average, OBP, slugging. Between two levels. And then struggled after the Sox promoted him. He's 6'4 with long limbs. His swing can get long when he's going for pitches on the outer edge or beyond, but he's disciplined enough that he hasn't chased much at the lower levels. The consensus among scouts is that he'll move off shortstop and he may very well outgrow it, 
but he gets very good reads and comes in well on balls with plenty of arm for the left side of the infield. With his strong hit and OBP skills, Montgomery's ceiling comes down to power, and right now it's below average, but as he fills out, he should get at least to average, which would make him a solid regular at third or an above average regular at short. Now, I read the whole thing because I want to look at MLB Pipeline and their evaluation of Montgomery. A lot of times you get one person's opinion. There are some common themes here, though, that tell you a lot about this this player that's quickly becoming the guy to watch down in the minor leagues for White Sox fans. And he's going to have an impact on this roster. He's going to get here at some point. Likely he gets here at some point next year. And he times out perfectly for the end of the Tim Anderson deal when the options run out after 2024 and the point where you could decline the option on Yohan Moncada and end the travesty of the contract that he's currently underneath. Because with the exception of 2019, what are you really paying for here? And that's some big money. You're nearly $50 million you're going to pay him over the next two years. And so it's interesting. Here's a guy could be the replacement for Yohan, could be the replacement for Tim Anderson. And the Sox have to wait and see what is he capable of and, you know, what do they need the most? But here's what they said about him. I'm not going to read the whole thing from MLB Pipeline because some of it is just too repetitive. It's not important. Montgomery has impressed evaluators with his ability to make advanced swing decisions for a youngster rarely chasing pitches out of the strike zone while laying off difficult offerings and pounding the ones he should. It sounds very similar to what I just read from the other list. He is focused on controlling the zone, using the entire field and making consistent hard contact early in his pro career with his hitting ability, bat speed, projectable strength and leverage. Again, the one thing that I keep reading here is he should get strong and he should start hitting home runs. He's not right now. He should provide at least solid power once he starts launching more balls in the air. While it's natural to wonder if a big shortstop with average speed can stay at the position as he matures physically and slows a bit, the White Sox believe Montgomery will be able to do so. His quick first step and athleticism enable him to get to balls and his solid arm strength allows him to complete plays. Seager, we're talking about Corey Seager, overcame similar doubts, and even if Montgomery shifts to the hot corner, his bat still should make him a star. That's two different lists. One has him at 38. One has him at 25. Both of them are describing a player that's big, maybe too big to be a shortstop. I think that's silly. There's big shortstops now. I think that's kind of ridiculous. The idea is as he gets stronger and fills out, maybe he's not quick enough to play short. If that happens, then fine. He stands over at third base. You're trading the defense and the ability to play short, I guess, for the fact that he's going to hit 30 home runs or 25 home runs. I mean, okay, fine. One way or another, however he fills out as he grows and becomes a finished product, you're going to have a hitter that's disciplined at the plate, doesn't chase. I love that. And has a a really good arm. And and I love that both of them talked about his ability to have a quick first step to play defense. We keep talking about how range is going to be so important now with the change in the shift rules. And you need players that can not only contribute offensively, but now can play the position. The White Sox may have actually done something good in a draft. Like, I I always give them a hard time about 
The only draft picks that seem to pan out are top 10 draft picks in the draft that everybody sees as a can't miss. This was a guy that not everybody was sold on, and he's developing well. Now, I'm sure they'll screw it up in some way. That's the negative part of me goes, ah, they'll screw it up in some way. But right now, it's exciting at this point before the season starts getting ready for pitchers and catchers. It's exciting to see what they're saying about Colson Montgomery. Socks in the basement listeners that are looking to switch to a new age of life. Maybe it's grandma and grandpa, mom and dad. You don't want to put them in assisted living. Nobody wants to do that. People work their whole lives to stay in their homes. That's a difficult decision to make. It's something that was unavoidable for a lot of folks, especially as they got older, started having medical concerns. There really wasn't another option. Now there is an option. You can create a smart home within the house with not a very high expense. Apps that open and close doors, lifts that bring them from the first floor to the second floor, aids placed around the house, things they can grab onto, things that make it easier to do the day-to-day task. You can retrofit the bathtub. There's so much you can do, and Hyatt Home Medical Equipment wants to help you. Plus, if you have anybody in your family that deals with sleep apnea, diabetes, they have the latest in technology for both. They're going to work with your insurance, and if you mention Socks in the Basement, you're going to get additional money off. Check out all they have to offer at hhme.com or stop in and see them. 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. I mentioned I was going to Michter's in Louisville as part of this bourbon trail thing. I'm having the sour mash right now. If you're a bourbon drinker and you've never had the sour mash, try it. You know, one rock. You know, don't put a ton of ice in there. I always get aggravated when I go to bars and I go, just a little bit of ice. Just a rock, and they like dump those chips inside. It ruins the entire drink for me. I hate that. I was looking at the starting pitching free agents because I'm still convinced that the White Sox have to go get a pitcher. I'm still convinced this team is going to have to get another starting arm because Mike Clevenger is going to take some sort of a suspension. As we talked about on the last show, and I appreciate everybody reaching out and saying, hey, good episode, way to put it in perspective, you know, way to take like a a reasonable approach to what's going on. And I'm sure not everybody agreed with that, but we got an awful lot of people that reached out and said, good job. And I, I appreciate that when people send stuff to us. Thank you again. Another, sh- it was a show. I didn't even want to do the last episode. Didn't want to do it. If you want to check it out, it's on demand anywhere. Podcasts can be found and always at socks in the basement.com. I'm convinced he's taking a suspension. That That is not me saying that he's guilty of everything he's accused of. Could be guilty of some of it, could be guilty of all of it. But even if he's not guilty of any of it, right? Even if somehow this is all some kind of conspiracy and Mike Clevenger is a choir boy, wrongly accused, there's no way Major League Baseball is going to take a guy with that cloud over him and those accusations and not suspend him for a reasonable amount of time. It's going to happen. And more than likely, as I said in the last episode, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. They're going to find plenty on him. And he isn't going to play for either part of the season or all of the season. So the White Sox need another pitcher because Davis Martin is not the answer. If you really want to tell me you have championship aspirations, like you're going to win the division, you're going to go on through the playoffs, everybody's going to be healthy, Aloya Menez is going to play in 156 games, Luis Roberts starting 155 out there in center field, Yoan Moncada is going to be 2019 Yoan Moncada, and Yasmani Grandal is going back to having like a 900 OPS. 
And, and, and not only is he walking, he's actually going to hit because the, the shift is going to make a difference for him. Like, you come up with every theory. Everybody shows up to camp, best shape of their life, but they really are in the best shape of their life, right? Like, there's, like, no injuries, career years everywhere, lightning in a bottle, party, let's go. You still got to beat some of the elite teams in Major League Baseball. And you will not be the only team that's playing at a high level. That just gets you to the level of the teams that will be in the running for the World Series. So I think it's a disadvantage if you lose Clevenger for the year, and it's definitely going to hurt you in a race with Cleveland that's not going away. Cleveland's not going away, and I expect Minnesota to get out early in this division and get going. I think they'll fall off and be in third place in the end, but they're going to be a problem too, especially when you play them early on. So you need to have pitchers. You can't give up games early on. I think, I think White Sox fans have learned that now, especially after last year. This idea of, oh, they'll all just get it together. Don't worry, they'll get it together. You dig enough of a hole, it doesn't matter what kind of streak you go on towards the end of the year. You don't want to be in that hole. And every fifth start, you're going to give it to that kid? Like, he, he did well last year, but are, are you trusting him? So maybe a veteran needs to be brought in. And there's still some veteran pitchers out there. And I don't know if any of them are going to take a minor league deal, but they may be considering it at this point because they're playing musical chairs in free agency and they're running out of chairs. So now maybe you get that late in the offseason Johnny Cueto minor league deal with a guarantee you're on the roster by a certain date or you get to become a free agent again. You know, Michael Waka's still out there at 31 years old. Mike Miner's out there at 35. I would have liked Mike Miner like a couple years ago. You know, a couple names that stick out to me. Michael Pineda. I've always liked this guy. He's always like one of those guys I pick up late in the season in fantasy baseball because he's on fire. He's got a career whip of 1.201. Pitched for Seattle, the Yankees, the Twins, and last year had a bad year with Detroit. Fine. Okay. Not everybody has the best year every year. He's going to be 34 years old. Maybe he's lost it. Maybe those 11 starts that he had for Detroit last year, and he had a whip of 1.414 and a FIP of 6.13 and an ERA of 5.79. Maybe that's what he is. Or maybe he broke his finger and did everything he could to avoid surgery because that's what happened to him last year. So if he's healthy right now, is it more likely he's the guy in Minnesota that over a couple of years would average out to a FIP in the threes, a whip at about 1.20 for those three years, and an average ERA in the high th- high to mid threes. Like, maybe he's that guy. Would you take that guy as your fifth starter? Of course you would. See, the thing with Mike Clevenger is, he wasn't the only guy that was a reclamation project that was sitting out there. He's just the only guy that now it's a disaster that you signed him for $8 million and then $4 million more the next year. It's really a one-year $12 million deal, but in their budget on their sheet, it says $8 million this year, $4 million next year. In the end, again, he was an unacceptable risk because if you knew anything about his lifestyle, there were other guys out there, and they're still out there right now. And he's a good pitcher who's floating out there. That's my reclamation project. That's one of those guys I would sit there and say, yeah, take a swing on him. I bet you can get him cheap. And I bet you can bring him in the organization. And, and, I, and I bet you that he would sign a, like a contract in the minor leagues. Th- those are the kind of guys you're going to pick up. Personally, I think you could sign him right now for probably a couple million dollars. 
if he's just guaranteed a major league playing time, and that if you let him go, he gets to go back out into the ether. Like, he should sign something like, remember that with Cueto? Cueto's thing was, yeah, you could sign me to a minor league deal, that's fine. But if I'm not on the major league roster by a certain date, I have the ability to opt out and go be a free agent. And he was pitching so well in the minors as that as that approached. The Sox had to make sure that they were bringing him up. Because if they weren't bringing him up, somebody else was going to take him at that point. Because he had come back and shown that he still had it. And don't think that other teams hadn't noticed it. The official brewery of Sox in the Basement is Hailstorm Brewing Company, located in Tinley Park at 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. When I'm not out trying to drink all the bourbon in Kentucky, I'm in Tinley, hanging out at Hailstorm Brewing. It's a working brewery. So when you walk in, the tanks are right there. They're working. They're, they're brewing a lot of beer. You can see it on the list in the tap room. An insane amount of beer is being made over there. The head brewer's Will Turner He's got a lot of other guys over there working for him. He's been there for about a year. He's killing it right now. Then there's the bar, the tap room area, really neat space. Then you have a beer hall, big long tables, a stage for when musical acts are in on the weekends, right? During the summer, any kind of like any kind of warm month, even when they get to like fire pit weather. And I know that's not what it is right now, but it's coming. They got the outdoor patio. It is a fun place to go hang out, drink beer with other beer drinkers and enjoy the craft. I highly recommend, because I'm back on my IPA kick, Prairie Madness, their American IPA, a great American beer festival, gold medal winner. Check it out. Hailstorm Brewing, Tinley Park, hailstormbrewing.com. I'm going to nerd out on fantasy baseball here to finish off this show. I've become like a real baseball nerd, especially in the last couple of years. Like I, I've always had this as my favorite sport and the White Sox as my favorite team, but now now I'm getting Stratomatic Baseball delivered to my door so I can just play a dice game and simulate baseball. And I have a Dynasty Fantasy Baseball League where we had winter meetings recently down in my basement and trading was fast and furious. I'm a baseball nerd and fantasy baseball is kind of like a fun thing to do. I know that a lot of people are into fantasy football. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, I, I suggest doing the head-to-head points league. It's similar to how fantasy football runs and it it's easy to evaluate players. I don't like the roto leagues, the ones where like you're just trying to win a category. So some guy just has really fast players and he wins a category in stolen bases and that counts for as much as you having guys that hit home runs and you get the same amount of points. That doesn't make sense to me. So I like the head-to-head thing because it rewards uh, high OPSs. It rewards keeping guys off base, you can, we actually devalued a win and devalued how much you lose for a loss with a pitcher because it's one of the, those are the stupidest stats in pitching these days. I mean, it really doesn't matter what, what a guy does in terms of letting guys on base and how many innings he's out there and he's being effective means far more in our league. And you can set these up really easy. CBS Sports Fantasy put out their 2023 fantasy baseball audience survey for the top dynasty targets at each position. It's asking all fantasy baseball players if they could pick any player to put on their team and keep forever because they could use them year in, year out. So based on their age, their potential, what they do right now, who would they want on their team? Now, in our league, we have it set up where you can keep any player you want for as long as you want to. But once they hit 30, you can only keep four guys that are 30 years old or older. 
So that creates a lot of trading at the trade deadline and a lot of trading in the offseason because teams look at their roster and go, I got seven guys that are 30 and I'm going to have to drop them anyway. So is there anybody who has room for them? I'll trade for prospects. It really gets the trading going in the in the fantasy league. It's year-round, constant. I mean, like right now during the show, I, I could be done. I could look at my phone. There's probably a trade in my league. Like it's always happening, more than even in Major League Baseball. It's really fun. Adley Rushman is the catcher that everybody wants. 60% of the vote amongst fantasy baseball players in this pool. The fantasy baseball player at first base everybody wants is Vlad Guerrero Jr. I have him on my team. Ozzy Elbies on second. No, he's not on mine. Pretty close race between Jose Ramirez of the Guardians and Rafael Devers of Boston. Fernando Tatis was the shortstop that everybody wanted. Trey Turner and Bobby Witt Jr. were very close. Kansas City had a guy on the list. In the outfield, Julio Rodriguez of Seattle, almost 50% of the vote. Ronald Acuna was at 21.8. Juan Soto came in third. Nobody else had higher than 4% of the vote. So those are the ones that everybody wanted. And when it came to starting pitching, Corbin Burns with 27.5%, Spencer Strider and Shane McClanahan were right behind him. Sandy Alcantara comes in fourth with about 10%. At relief pitcher, Emmanuel Clase was like heads and tails about everybody else. But here's the thing I noticed. No White Sox players, not a one. When they're going position by position, and they're asking people what player out there is good now, is young, and is going to be really good later that I can rely on. Not one White Sox player. Now, you're sitting there going, who cares, Chris? It's fantasy baseball. It tells you a lot about your team. It's the reason why alarm bells go off in my head when I look at this team. It's the reason why Ed, when he's not sick as a dog, sits at this bar and says it wasn't really a rebuild. It was a remake. And that this team is older than people realize that it is. Because when you're taking into a, in, into account age, so you're looking for young players, and then guys who have performed and performed consistently and are going to be on the field all the time and have the potential to be great, nobody, I mean, even when, I mean, these votes go down to 1% of the vote. These are all of the guys receiving votes. I can't find a White Sox player anywhere. You just can't find them. In fact, no, I'm going to hold on. I finally found one. Dylan Cease got two votes. He received two votes in the starting pitcher category. So that's it. That right there should hit you like a ton of bricks. And it should it should tell you when you step back as a fan and you want to look at your team objectively, the White Sox don't have one of those it young stars that is going to take this team on his back and become a superstar that everybody in the country recognizes as a superstar. I mean, you could see Luis Robert maybe at some point before the injuries last year probably appears on one of these lists, probably gets some sort of a vote. In fact, when you look at them rank fantasy baseball outfielders, he's really high this year. Like the experts sit there and say, oh, don't sleep on Luis Robert because if he's healthy, he's going to be really good. But for the average baseball fan, White Sox players just don't do it for him right now. So, uh, you know, the, the, Sox have, the Sox have a problem. Right now, what the team's trying to do is tell you, look, we're going to get better, we're going to be good, and they're appealing to you as a fan to believe in it. And I want to believe in it. And I think, I think they could really be a good team this year. I do. But if they're good, and anybody tells you I saw it coming, especially if they're not a fan and they're like an outside person, I don't tend to believe them at this point. 
I think the national viewpoint of the White Sox is they should be good. If they're healthy, they're going to be good. But I wouldn't bet anything on it. Like, I wouldn't bet my fantasy baseball team season on getting one of these guys long-term in a dynasty league. Like, that's that's where it is, right? Like, it's okay for somebody to make a prediction on MLB Network. Like, well, hey, you know, if they're healthy, they should win the division, right? But when you're looking at the individual players, when it comes time, they actually put your money down. When it comes time, even like your entry fee to your fantasy baseball team, it's very hard for those that are not actual White Sox fans with that hope that a fan has inside of them to say, yeah, White Sox. That, that's what I got off of that list. I also got that I'm doing really well in my dynasty league, and I'm going to win again this year. God, Eddie's isn't even here for me to pick on. I'm going to end the show. I got to call him up and tell him I'm going to beat him again this year. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.